Hello everyone. This is Fix Your Eyes on Jesus and my name is Annie. I'm your host today and we are delighted to have our guests with us, Paul Zolman, who is a love language linguist, the best-selling author of The Role of Love, who has developed principles of love languages to improve our loving skills and how the love languages reconcile to the life of Jesus. So he will be sharing that, his personal testimony and helping us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to have our mind focused on the transforming love of Christ. So Paul, we welcome you today without taking much time. <laughs> Just uh, take us through the next session. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. My my journey is a, kind of a journey of that everyone listening here it may have been through. You find a, a pain point in your life that that maybe there's a sin, maybe it's something something else that becomes a pain point and you want to rectify or you want to fix that pain point. And for me, it was uh, anger. I grew up in a very angry family. There was abuse of every kind, uh, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, social abuse, financial abuse. There were all kinds of abuse in this particular family. And so wanting to distance myself from that type of abuse and actually choose something else, have a different culture in my life was was my desire what that abusive culture looked like also there was no boundaries people would talk over each other they would not be polite they're not courteous it's just an angry situation i just didn't want that for my family for myself and i had the, the same declaration that every 17 or 18 year old has i'm not going to be like my parents and I had that same declaration for myself, and I thought, you know what, I, I, I wanted a different circumstance. So I actually moved out of home before I graduated from high school. I moved away from home and started living with my brother, my older brother. He had two, two little children already, and I, did, I didn't have any small children in my family growing up. I'm number 10 of 11, and he only had two children at the time. And so playing with these young children was just a delight for me. And my my brother was really good with them, really a good father, until he had was annoyed, annoyed, annoyed. He's stacking these annoyances on top of one another, and then he has this flash of anger. My father had the same thing. And then as I started to have my own children, I realized I've got that same thing. And I realized it must be something generational that was passed down, something that we learned from our parents that as a tradition that we should not probably not continue. And I didn't realize how significant it was until probably about 15 years ago after this anger was contributory to the demise of my first marriage, got divorced after 23 and a half years being married and eight children. I had primary custody of the five remaining children in the home but I still had this problem of anger, 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 the, this flash of anger. Well, I did, I thought that decisions I'd made earlier in life, I was getting better. I, but it was more pronounced when 
when I actually found someone that I was dating that we got serious. Now I took this woman up to my brother's house for big brother approval. When you're number 10 of 11, Annie, you have to have big brother approval. And so that's that's what I was doing. And I took this woman into their home and my sister-in-law immediately pulled her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I denied it like I'd always denied it. Uh-uh, then it made me mad. And I thought, I just verified exactly what she said. And that I got angry just from what she said. And it was just one of those things that, oh, I see what you're talking about. And it was a one of those paradigm shift moments that one of those epiphanies, so to speak, that I can see that there's an opportunity here to change this whole thing for all generations past me. So for my children and for, for their children, and hopefully stop that, passing that on generation to generation, the stacking of anger or stacking of annoyances until you get to that flash of anger. And what I, when I'm, Annie, when I'm trying to drill down to figure out where's this anger come from, I'm realizing that I'm annoyed at what other people are doing. And it realized that's that was from the childhood of not having any boundaries. That you can look over the fence and look at your, what your neighbor's doing and say, oh, "Come here, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, what's wrong with you?" And and t- trying to make that particular judgment. And obviously, you know, it takes you back to the scriptures. I was Christian growing up, and I still am Christian. My mother joined uh, joined the church three years before I was born and took us to church faithfully every Sunday. I grew up in a very cold climate in Montana in the United States. And in the wintertime, we only lived two blocks from the church. I had to walk to church because it was too cold to start the car, warm the car up, drive there, let the car cool off, warm the car up, and come back, which is ridiculous. So I walked. And it was 50 below zero. And I don't know what that translates into Celsius, but it was really cold. I would have frostbite on my nose, on my ears, on my on my on the tips of my fingers and my feet, but just going to church. So I would linger longer at church trying to, trying to warm up, but warming up with the teachings of Jesus. And it was really, really a wonderful occasion in that way. But one of the teachings of Jesus that, that had was judged not that you be not judged in Matthew chapter 7, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And that just the very that very verse said, it says, For with what judgment you shall judge, you shall be judged also. And at what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So meaning that whatever you send out really is going to come right back at you. Whatever judgment you send out is coming right back at you. I realized, what the heck am I doing? I'm focusing on maybe 10% or maybe 20% of the weaknesses of that person, their faults or the mistakes that they make, or or thinking that I'm better than they are and raising myself up and putting them down because they don't have the knowledge that I have and judging them in that way. And I thought, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not what Jesus did. So that's a sin. And that's just not what I'm supposed to be doing. I realized that's a boundary. I don't. I can't live their life for them. I can't make their choices for them. 
And when I realized that, I said, well, what can I do? What do I have control over? And I realized that I have control over sending love out and responding when it comes my way. That's it. That's all I have control over in that in that regard. And so I realized that I can't bid people to love me because then they might feel duty bound to love me. That's and that wouldn't be love. That'd be like I'm doing my job. I'm doing my duty. It becomes more transactional, and it's it's not not love. You know, the love that Jesus sent out was without any regard of it ever coming back. And that's the type of love that we need to start sending out. So I realized that that by uh, that I needed to improve my life from that incident at my my brother's house and my sister-in-law saying that to the woman that I was serious about. I just I needed that improvement. I started reading some books like The Color Code and then The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Chapman wrote the book uh, back in the early 90s, published it in 1992 for the first time. And in that book, he's a, he's a pastor, so he has a religious background. He indicates that these five love languages will bring you closer to Jesus Christ because he practiced all of the five love languages. The other part of the theory that Dr. Chapman has is that everyone has a individual or, or a love language that they like more than any other love language, a way they like to be loved more than any other way. They might have a secondary way that they like, but it's not as much as this one primary love language. And so I realized that that most people are giving away what they like in hopes that it'll come back. That reciprocity also is a transaction. It is not really true love like Jesus sent out. It's, it's You're expecting something you're you're sending something out and expecting it to come back certainly you can expect it to come back but expect it in a different way send it out without any regard of it ever coming back but trust the laws of the universe that were in place before you or i were ever born the law of the harvest the law of karma the law of attraction though all those laws are laws that say you send it out don't watch for it to come back, but it'll come back. Just it, just be patient. It'll come back to you. So what I created was, was uh, 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 I didn't get what Dr. Chapman was said first. First of all, Dr. Chapman said that if I guess, Annie, what your love language is, and if I cater to that, then we're going to be buddies. I'm a bad guesser, and it wasn't working for me up until that time in my life. So, so the second thing Dr. Chapman has said, well, if you take this survey, you can find out what your love language is. Well, Annie, what am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Hello, Annie. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? I mean, it's so awkward, and it's just, it just wasn't working for me. I did not feel loved by doing something like that. And I think unintentionally, Dr. Chapman created this little, little pocket of, of this pity party that people can say, well, I told you how to love me. How come you're not doing it? And they get get to that thing that oh, you know, it's that's just so complicated. And it was complicated for me. I needed to simplify this because coming from an angry culture, I didn't get it. I didn't get the love culture yet. Didn't understand the languages. I liked the principles, but I did not understand the application. I thought, well, 
there was a different application. And so I contacted Dr. Chapman and said, are you licensing those little pictures, those little icons that you have for each one of the love languages? And his attorney wrote me back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I had a, a copyright or an internet um, intellectual property attorney in my neighborhood that was a friend. And I just went over and talked to him a little bit. And he said this, he said, theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So I, I thought, when I was little, we played games as a family. Even as dysfunctional as we were, Annie, we played games and it brought our family together. And I thought that was a really good thing. Yeah. We still we still had the smack talk. We still had the put downs. We still had aggressive competition, but it brought our family together. I thought, well, what if I can make this a game? And so, so I t was talking to that um, my attorney about that. He says you could that I could make my own icons and create a game. So that's what I did. I created this little little game. It's a, just a cube that I'm holding up for your listeners that has just pictures on it. The pictures are most of them have a hand, and in this one I'm showing right now, there's a there's an hourglass. So an hourglass measures time. This would be the love language of time. What time looks like is that you're just sitting there spending time with the person you don't even have to talk just be there with that person people that like that just really feel good feel loved when you spend time with them i've got a, my wife loves korean dramas and so she likes it when i just sit there and watch korean dramas i like hallmark movies she doesn't like hallmark movies so when she sits and watches a hallmark movie i know i i feel loved because she's right there with me even though she doesn't like it the next one I'm holding up is a looks like a, a waiter holding a platter representing service. So service looks like this. People that like service like their car washed. They like their car gassed up. They like the carpet vacuum. They like the trash taken out. They like dinner on the table and to be served dinner in that way. They like those type of things. They light up when those type of things happen. The next one is two hands put together form in a heart. And then from that heart, I have like a cartoon little con conversation fly out that represents the words from the heart. Those would be the words that you say, compliments that you say, the words I love you. Any of those type of words that would uplift another person, just helping them feel better about themselves. Those That would be the words. The next one is two hands touching one another like they're holding hands. And that would be touch. That's the love language of touch. And then the last one, of course, would be a hand holding a gift. That would be gifts. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. The last one is surprise me. It's a hand holding a question mark. So, Annie, there's just two instructions. You roll the cube every day. Whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away within your power, within your control. You're giving it away all day that day to everybody. Not just... Dr. Chapman wrote that book, The Five Love Languages, in 1992, published in 1992, and it was about romantic love, mostly. This isn't about romantic love at all. This is about giving love kindly, freely, without any expectation to everybody. Everybody you come in contact with all day long. So as you're practicing that genre of love all day long, you're going to find people that light up. When they light up, it's it's that's when you've discovered what their primary their secondary love language is 
No longer, Annie, do you have to say, excuse me, could we pause this relationship for just a moment while I have you take this survey so I know how to love you? It's awkward. You don't have to do awkward anymore. This is a, such a much better way to use your observation skills, watch what they do, and then just take a mental note. If they like how you're loving them, they'll light up and then just uh, for that person, just wash, rinse, repeat, do that over and over again. You'll find four or five or, or maybe 10 people in a day that light up for a particular love language. Just keep track of, of that in your mind, how they'd like to be loved. The next day it'll be different. So over a 30 day period of rolling the cube, you'll have given away all five love languages. You'll know them backwards and forwards. This actually is going to help you become more like Jesus Christ. This is going to help you feel his love because he's 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 on board. You're on board at more more like it's more like you're on board with him in sending out love like he did all day long, all day, every day. It's going to change your life and it's going to help you understand Christ a lot more. Um, I love the story in in the Bible about the about Jesus going to the city of Samaria and where Jacob's well was. He's sitting there on the on the well, and a woman of Samaria comes up to draw water, and he asks for a drink. And uh, the woman of Samaria just says, "What? I don't have anything to do with you, the Jew that Jesus was. I don't have anything to do with you." And and he just keeps talking to her, which really is kind of kind of something that we need to do: not be prejudiced in any way, and allow everyone. We can just talk with anyone. Doesn't matter who they are, where they come from. Treat them as people and ha- have understanding there. And he just uh, said he's good. He's the fountain, fountain that uh, if people would drink from the waters that he was giving, they would never thirst. And it was just you know the story. And I'm paraphrasing, and I apologize for that, but it's a great story about loving everyone which we really need need to do in, in this. And, and that's kind of the thing that um, I just found most valuable for my life. I, did, I was single at the time when I created this. I didn't have a significant other like Dr. Chapman suggested. And it just dawned on me, oh, I get to love everybody. I needed that consistency, Annie. Needed that consistency in my life to have a behavioral change. Instead of looking at what's wrong with people, now the focus is what's right with that person? What can I love about that person? Now I'm looking at the 80 to 90% of that person that is good instead of focusing on what's bad about that person. I think Jesus did that. I think that's that's what's really helped me change that, have that paradigm shift. Instead of looking this way, now I'm looking the total opposite way. It's a 180 degree difference focusing on what's right about that person. It's changed my life. It's true that it is not a one-way journey, like how Jesus giving his life to us. We have to do something to be able to experience that love and to be able to give that love to others. And so we have to do a work. We have to do something. It's not passive. It should be active. If we are not open, 
to receiving his love and to be active in doing something about it, then definitely we are not going to be able to allow his love to flow through us to other people. So uh, it is very enlightening and I'm so delighted because surely without the love of Christ, then we cannot even explain or experience the mystery of salvation. Because mm -hmm. if the Father gave the Son, the Son gave his life, then we are meant to receive him. Then we get the gift of the Holy Spirit and then we become children of God. Um, we cannot we cannot experience all this if we are not aware of this exchange of love and the requirement that is given for us to be able to embrace everybody has a way that they can easily relate to in order to be partakers of this wonderful transforming love of christ and i'm also delighted that through your tough experience in your childhood you did not uh, just wallow in the pain but by the grace of God, you came to a point where you decided, you made a conscious decision not to live in that cocoon of pain and anger and bitterness, but you wanted something different. You wanted to come out of that, that environment. And this is how I believe the Lord elevates us to be, to get to where he is. Otherwise, if we don't desire to have a change in our lives, when we encounter Jesus, we have to experience him and get this desire in our hearts. Then when we embrace it, consciously accept it, we don't want to live in that pain. And we can see clearly when you look at Jesus that definitely there is a new life. There is a different kind of life that he can actually offer us. You talked about the story, uh, the Samaritan woman. It is one of the favorite stories for me in the Bible in John chapter 4. And normally really uh, delight my heart to know that irrespective of the fact that Jesus was very tired from the journey and he was hungry but he allowed the disciples to leave him he's a Jew and he's waiting on a Samaritan broken wounded woman who had no clue that the master was there had no clue that this is Jesus the the one who was prophesied about who has come to bring salvation to transform lives and irrespective of you know the ratio difference he waited on her and he was open to teach her a lesson that he had not even taught his own disciples mm -hmm. it takes me so deep because it's a very interesting story of love and by the time this woman goes back her life has completely changed and even the disciples could not even ask him a question you know and when i think about that moment that scenario that the same woman who comes with a jar to come and get some water which definitely at that time she can't get a clean water the water will be dirty she actually left her water jar and ran away to the town just maybe to wrap up i find it very interesting when we see in action the transforming love of jesus through your life experience and i also know you've written a book that maybe you can talk to us about and uh, maybe let us know where we can find it even though all these details are going to be available on the website and then we can sure. conclude absolutely annie thank you very much just wanted to just go back just one, one more time and 
I mentioned that Jesus had practiced, or Dr. Chapman said Jesus had practiced all the love languages. We know that he spent time with people who just like he did at the with the at the well. He talked with the woman, spent that time with that woman, and just just um, it was a gift that he basically revealed himself to her. He served people. He served everywhere he went. He was serving people. We absolutely love his words. We know that he touched eyes that they could see, ears so they could hear, and then he had the gifts of gifts of the spirit. So they all reconciled scriptures. You uh, think of Mary at the tomb when he had to say, he had to say to Mary, "Touch me not, for I'm not gone to my Father in heaven yet." Why would he have to say that? It appears that touch was part of his his ministry. Maybe she was coming in for the hug, and he she said, "Whoa, touch me not," because he had not um, done, finished that mission that he needed to report to his father after he passed there at the tomb. So definitely, touch was part of it. One thing that's really helped to me, Annie, that we haven't touched on is there's a scripture and and, and there's a story at the Last Supper, the Passover that the last Passover that Jesus would, would have. He says, one of you is going to betray me. He's saying this to his disciples. And every one of them said, Lord, is it I? That four-word sentence has helped me in my life. When I've prayed and asked about any relationships, Lord, is it I? What can I do to help this relationship be better? Lord is a die, and it always comes a little bit at a time. If I was overwhelmed with it, or if, if every all my faults came at one time, any of us would be overwhelmed, and we couldn't do the improvement that we needed to do. But we're taught little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, just as Jesus taught. It comes a little bit at a time, according to our own understanding, and these little uh, little hints that the whisperings of the Spirit that I've received over time have been very helpful in creating better relationships. Because when I say, Lord, it is a die, most often the answer is, yeah, it's you. But it's just in a kind and loving voice or a kind and loving feeling that I have that I can try to do this a little bit better. I can be a little bit better in this particular way. And that's what's been very helpful along the way. So I wrote a book all about that, all about this new way to practice love in the way that Jesus would practice it, all by sending it out without any regards of it coming back, watching for reactions of people, helping helping, uh, or just trying to understand other people. What it's done for me, Annie, mm-hmm. is give me that peripheral vision that most people don't have. Like I said, most people only see what they like as love. This, this broadens your view. That, oh, they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can respond to that. And and that, that way it improves the communication that you can tell when people are loving on you, even though it's not your primary love language. That's something that's super important for, for us to have, super important for us to be able to move forward in, in our life and to, to have better communication skills. It's just something that Jesus Jesus did himself. One last um, thing that I wanted to talk about Jesus says, 
he's resurrected. Now he's appeared. This is the third time that he's appeared to his disciples. And the third time he appears, he goes uh, to the disciples. They've already eaten. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Son of uh, Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? So after Jesus had died, all these uh, disciples decide, well, I'm going to go fishing. I don't know what you all are going to do. I'm going fishing. And so they're out on the boat where Jesus found them in the first place. They're all out on the boat and they're they're fishing and they, they get they get all these fish. And then Jesus said, lovest thou these more than me? And he says it three times. And after each time he says, feed my lambs. What we're doing when we're sending love to these, these other humans, other people, and even to pets, we're, what we're doing when we send love out is we're like the hands of Jesus feeding his lambs. It's something that we really need to be doing more of feeding these lambs, feeding these people that really need to feel love. You can walk down any street, especially if, if you're depressed and down and out, and you're having your own little pity party and sitting in your house and sitting on your chair, waiting for love to come to you. This is especially what you need to do, is you need to walk out of your house, walk in your neighborhood, find someone that may be a little bit lower than you are, raise them up, that's the only way you're going to get out of that funk that you're in. The way you're going to, when you raise someone up, when you help them out of their funk and raise them up, it actually gives you great satisfaction by doing that. That is how you feel loved. You feel like you can do that again, and you'll do it again, and you get strengthened in that way by sending it out. Jesus got great strength from doing it that way. We also can do that. And I want to just let let you know that I appreciate what you're doing, Andy. This is this is a great podcast, a great format, and I, I appreciate the you know the the ability that you allow guests to talk about some of their favorite things, especially our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone, and now I know He holds the future, and life is what I living just because He lives. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. We want to bring our hearts to your throne. Thank you. For sending your servant Paul Zolman to come and teach us something new, something new that you have done in his life, you have transformed his life. And Lord, we believe that if you did it for him, you can do it for us. We believe that your love can transform. It is not just for us to read, but we have seen what you have done. How I pray that, Lord, every listener of this podcast who is in need of experiencing your transformation of any moment or season or circumstance in their life that has proved to be difficult, 
for them to handle that lord you may help them to rise in faith and to believe that there is nothing that is impossible in your name we honor you we praise you and we worship you it is in jesus name we pray with thanksgiving amen Amen. So, thank you very much Paul. Thank you. Uh, we are so delighted to have you. And definitely I'm sure even my podcast listeners will be so delighted to hear from you. And we hope to see you again to hear more from you. That this topic about love, the transforming love of Jesus is why we are alive today. So thank you Amen. very much. God bless you Amen. and God bless your ministry. Bye-bye.